0: they say behind every great man is an even better woman, and I'm very pleased to have on the podcast today the young and lovely Jamie L. Jacobs. Good morning, Jamie L.
1: Thank you, Laban. It's so great to be here, and um, and you, you're inspiring us with your story, so thanks so much for having me.
0: Ah, Well, thank you, thank you very much for your kind words. Great, great place to start off. <laughs> yeah. So... I have had the pleasure of knowing Jamie only for a very short <laughs> period of time, but in that that short period of time, she has had a uh, a massive impact on me, and we've started this connection, which I think is a very powerful one. And I'm and I'm looking forward to fostering and developing this friendship um, further down the line.
1: Thank you, Laban.
0: And you're very welcome. And and. The reason that I was fascinated to have you on this, on this podcast today is that the whole point of Become Your Own Superhero is to really allow people the tools and the understanding to take control of their own lives and, and understand mm-hmm. that their destiny is down to them. Mm-hmm. And I really firmly believe that you are the epitome of this type of individual, and I'm very excited to have you on as a guest today. Thank you. I was doing some research on your background and I was sort of overwhelmed with the amount of amazing things that you've achieved, certainly that was publicly available, and I really wanted to explore some of those and allow you the opportunity to tell some of those stories. So who is Jamie L. Jacobs?
1: (laughs) Oh, well, um, that's a, that's a big, big question. <laughs> Thanks Laban, <laughs> for that question. Um, I think I'm, well, I'm an athlete at heart. Um, but I'm also, I suppose now my identity and what I'm really passionate about is everything to do with health, wellbeing and performance. Um, right. so I think Jamie L Jacobs, I would say is uh health and performance, um, coach and it's my mission to help people take control of their health and performance and to be the happiest version of themselves and I do strongly believe and I do um I suppose my mission with my clients now through our company Live Your Own Fit um, which my husband Pete and I have recently founded um, my mission is to have clients come to us that are struggling um, just like you're doing with clients as well struggling with energy um fatigue they're totally confused about food um they're finding no joy in movement anymore because um movement to them has been drummed into being something quite hard and they're really sick in themselves so of course they're not going to enjoy moving and exercising um and they're needing someone just to make them accountable for basic habits um that they need to instill into their lifestyle. So I want them to be able to go to their doctor if they're seeing a doctor and they can say to their doctor wholeheartedly, I'm doing everything I can around my sleep. I'm doing everything I can around my food, my stress management. Um, now now you need to help me type thing. Um, so I find a lot of us don't have the tools to do that and we don't know how Um, I've seen firsthand through Pete's journey and through my previous health journey, just how much food and lifestyle habits can affect you. And now my brain fog is lifted and I feel like just like you are, um, it's almost like you've got this supernatural focus and energy and you just want to share it with the world because you want everyone to feel as as amazing as you know that they can. Um, Yeah. So that's that's a longer answer to your question. No no, no it's, a,
0: it's a good answer. It, I noticed that you were um, too humble to and you glossed over your athletic background. I know <laughs> from having a look that you might have represented uh, at a national level in surf lifesaving or something along those lines. Care to oh explore yes, that as- a little bit further with us.
1: <laughs> I was very, very lucky to be introduced um, by my mum and dad to Surf Life Saving as a young nipper and I really, I truly think that every child should do nippers because it gives you this camaraderie with um, other boys and girls and it really does teach you how to read the surf and how to be safe in the surf and be independent and confident when you go to the beach. Um, And there's something that's really and, uh, energetically, um, quite powerful about, you know, being grounded on the sand and being at one with the water. And I was yeah. so lucky. Um, I'm still best of friends. They're like my sisters, my old boat rowing crew, we all rowed at different stages and different ones. Um, I think I was a surf boat rower for eight years in total. Um, but two of my great mentors, including my dad, who's in the, um, hall of fame for surf boat rowing, he, um, one of my great mentors was Midget Farrelly, our world champion longboarder, wow. um, and he was a real fatherly figure to me. And also Rick Miller, who was also um, a surf boat. Um, he was my one of my coaches and a real fatherly figure as well. So I was so lucky to have this amazing camaraderie with all my crewmates. And they they come up now um, every year uh, her our Noosa try, and they've all got kids. They've all got um, you know amazing jobs and um, and beautiful husbands and everything, but they, they say, nah, we're all coming up for Noosa tri. Um, so they've gotten into triathlon. I feel partly maybe because of, um, Pete and I, maybe we've motivated them in that, in that respect. Um, but they just love it. And, um, it's a real fun weekend for us. So we're all still seeing each other, even though we haven't rode together for ages, but, um, but yeah, having those mentors in my life really instilled, um, like a love for movement and just tapping into that spiritual energy that you get when you're uh, fit and healthy and yeah. um, just loving something. But yeah, I can't say enough words about um, Midget and about Rick and about Dad. It was, yeah, powerful wow. times. Yeah. And,
0: <laughs> and what, what was the highest level that you're able to attain in, in that particular sport?
1: Oh, we went to the Australian Surf Life Saving. We went to nationals every year. Um, so that's where you compete in um, places like Cara, where you've got the three breaks, um, like surf breaks, um, and you go to state level. Um, for me at the time, I mean, I was really competitive, but it, it was more so about it was almost like you're going into battle with each with each surfboat race. Um, yeah. You can't see the waves that you're going into. Um, I broke my cot 6 during Ocean Thunder, so Ocean Thunder... I don't know if you've seen it on the TV, but it's a televised event and they get the top crews around Australia and the world to come to this event and it was always at DY Beach. I think they still have it now um, and it was commercial partnerships and everything involved. Um, and back then there weren't many rules about how big the surf was and the insurance wasn't like it is now. Um, so they'd send you out sure. <laughs> into this massive surf and I broke my cot six um, uh, yeah, I'm one of those days, um, with just a bad, yeah, just, it was my own fault. I let go of the oar and came down on the gunnel. Um, but still had to jump out of the boat, finish the race, jump out of the boat, run up. And you had to run up. I was a runner, run up to go around the flag to then come back in and then go out again. Um, so yeah, that was a, that was a tough day, but yeah, lots and lots of fun at the same time. That's
0: brilliant. Yep. Well, uh, <laughs> that, that broken coccyx, I, I've spoken to a couple of people that have done that, and it doesn't sound like a very enjoyable injury at all. And <laughs> no. like, In terms of, um, like, growing up in Christchurch in New Zealand, the water was uh, always really cold, and it was only sort of the, the diehard surfers uh, mm. that would ever really venture out into the water. So it's not something that I'm uh, – Really been exposed to a crazy amount. I certainly loved being in the water, and I discovered when I was getting swimming lessons because I was thinking about uh, entering into an Iron Man, which we'll discuss.
1: Mm, that a minute, awesome! That yes, I am
0: actually negatively buoyant. <laughs> you might be watching this saying, "What's negatively buoyant?" Well, basically, it's the, what it sounds like. I was I, when when I would sit stationary in the water. Most people, if they lay back and relax will float, yep. I yep. actually sink. And the <laughs> swimming instructor, Sarah, who said in all of her years, and she had swum at a competitive level, had never seen anyone <laughs> sink. And it's to do with uh, muscle mass. With I was going to say, ratio. muscle mass,
1: yeah, it means you're a good runner. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So I'm, I'm too powerfully built, so I've got to maybe get a wetsuit that's going to allow me to float. But that's by the by. So the, the Ironman might be uh, further down the line. But... The the link to the Ironman is that not wanting to take anything away from your extraordinary background, the reason that I ended up stumbling across you is mm. through your very talented husband, yes, who is a competitive Ironman triathlete. Yep. You've yeah, you've been you've been <laughs> married for ten years,
1: nearly ten years. this nearly nearly December?
0: Yeah, yep. uh, his yep. name's Pete Jacobs. those that, that are familiar with the sport and what 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 can you tell us about Pete's background just quickly?
1: Um he he was a landscaper when I first met him, um an apprentice landscaper. And um he called himself a professional triathlete. Um and I was working hard um at the time um in asset finance and insurance and I'd come home and I'd be like I was quite you know um uh, I was quite OCD about my training and my study and my work and everything. And I'd come home and I'd find him on the couch. You know, he would have been stretching or rolling, but Oprah or Ellen or something would be on the TV. And I'd be like, what are you doing, Pete? You need to be doing X, Y, Z, whatever. So I was just always on his back. Um, and then he, he'd he go to Kona and I didn't really know what Kona was. Um, I just knew he was a professional um, triathlete that also was a landscaper. And um I didn't really have the, I wasn't really into triathlon, you know, I was into the surf club thing. My older sister was in triathlon. It just wasn't on my radar. Didn't really learn about it. Um, Didn't know this Kona was this amazing epic event where legends have just forged their, their stories on the island. And he would come, he would say, oh, I just came. He'd ring me from the finish and say, hey, I just came eighth in the world or, or whatever it was, oh, that's cool, yeah, well done, rah, rah, And then the next year would come and I learnt more about what he was doing obviously um, and as he got more serious and, and better at the sport and then 2011 came, he got second um, and wow. then I thought, whoa, he's actually pretty good at what he does. Um,
0: <laughs> as opposed to eighth of the
1: And that's when he said, hey, Jane, I think um, we need to move to Noosa the head of Ironman at the time um, had gotten in Pete, Pete's ear and just said, "You can't train the way you need to in Sydney. There's too many traffic lights. Ra yeah. ra. Um, you need more support. There's lots of um, really good Ironman um, triathlon athletes in Noosa. So we moved up to Noosa. Um, I really resented Pete because I left my job. I had plantar fasciitis at the time. Um, I was. I don't think looking back, I was very well at the time. Um, and so he trained really hard and I basically did um, really supported him in that time. And lo and behold, we went to Kona in 2012 and he won in 2012. Wow, um, work I Yeah, and I never really thought he would um, because I didn't really, like I knew he was training hard and I just, but I just didn't um, believe, I suppose, I don't know what it was. I just couldn't fathom Pete winning. I just didn't, yeah, it all just was too much, I think. Um, and I suppose I was in, inside it too much. But a lot of his sponsors at the time were like, Pete's going to win this. Pete's going to win this. And Pete knew he did. He was going to. He said it was the easiest race of his life. Wow. Um, but I don't think I really grasped what he'd put his body through. He, I think at the time, at the age of, um, was he 31 when he won that, he'd already done like 35 or 40 Eye Man at that time. Um, and I don't know how good that is for your body, but he was pre even though he was the fittest man on earth at that point in time, he was pre diabetic. If they tested his inflammation levels, they would have been sky high, I think. Um, he didn't he had really bad bowels and gut distress. Like even before the um, even before the buzzer went off to start the race, he was still in the toilet. Um, just before the race and, like, days before I remember him saying, oh, I had to stop a few times on my warm-up run out there and go to the toilet Mm -hmm. Um, because he did. He had really – he he didn't have a good gut at the time. So I think that level of training and stress load, um, he was always on the fine line of injury as well. Um, Yeah, yeah. So it was – but now looking back, it's like, oh, if we only knew maybe – how you can do things different, um, then I suppose it's, it's all a learning experience. He's really grateful for the experience that he had because now he can, he feels like he's having this journey where he can help others, um, as well. And in his mind, I, he's feeling the best he's ever felt except for gastro the last few days, um, that he feels like he can get back and he feels like he can, um, push his body further in a healthier way and get a much better result from himself and he's really excited to do that so i think everything happens for a reason we're talking for a reason um and yeah we're here now for a bigger purpose obviously
0: yeah and (laughs) again uh i'm not going to allow you to gloss over the fact that and this isn't going to be the Pete show. We're gonna we're we're blessed with the opportunity to have <laughs> Pete on his own podcast uh, in the coming days and weeks. But
1: yep. throughout that
0: health journey, or the health challenges that he was having, mm. I believe like you were the person that that dedicated your efforts to understanding what the hell was going on, and. The the understated importance of having someone in your corner, particularly a partner who's one, interested in what you do, um, but two, is willing to go to war for you is something that I, I think is so inspirational and I think it needs to be shared with people as well. And I'm just curious to know what sort of avenues and what thought process you had when Pete finished that that Kona because he he broke down and had major health issues post that that win that mm. set him back for quite some time what what happened and how did you go about the journey that you've ended up on now
1: yeah it was it was quite hard at the time because Um, No one really understood how Pete was feeling. He didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. We didn't know why. Um, We were going to so many doctors. At one stage here from Noosa, we were flying down every two weeks to see a doctor in Melbourne to try and get some help, and we did that for nearly a year. Um, Spent thousands and thousands of dollars on tests, um, you know, and no one really came up with an answer to what his problems were and he just seemed to be getting a lot worse. So um, all of a sudden I was kind of thinking, gosh, what happens if Pete doesn't get better? It's like I'm literally married to a 90-year-old. Um, <laughs> day, there were days where he couldn't get out of bed. Wow. It was just crazy. Um, sponsorships dried out um, up. Um, you know, there was trolling on social media saying Pete was lazy. Um, race organisers weren't happy because Pete was contracted to race but he actually couldn't finish a race. Um uh, other relationships um fell fell down, commercial partner relationships and managerial relationships because um we weren't in a place that we knew what was happening. We couldn't communicate what was happening. Um so it was a really, really tough um time. Pete had always had fatigue issues, but it's almost like they just um he only he could push his body so far and then all of a sudden it just exploded. Um so we went searching for answers and um I decided I broke my ankle at the time skateboarding with the dogs as you do <laughs> instead of going swim swim training and well um, I decided to start studying um, nutrition and health coaching and then Pete got in contact with Phil Maffetone um, who you'll be very familiar with and um, he spoke to Pete about going low carb and um, the keto way of things so that put us onto a really good track um he then helped pete get in contact with a different doctor in melbourne um and that sort of started off some different thought processes and different lifestyle habits um as well but still all the answers still there were pieces not really going together the fatigue was still there there'd still be um months where pete um yeah found that he was too flat up to, to train. Um, at one stage he went uh, plant-based, so like meat without feet for a while. Um, so we were just trying everything just yeah. to see what would, yeah, as you can appreciate, experiment yeah, yeah, until yeah. you find something that works. Um, and then he got in t- contact with Dr. Paul Mason, um, who you'll be really familiar with from, um, yeah.
0: Shout out Dr. Paul. <laughs>
1: And he's helped Pete since um, a lot with his, um, the direction. And Pete's researched a lot. I've researched a lot and I hear Pete speak and I just think, oh my gosh, he sounds like a doctor. Um, he he knows just so much information just like yourself um, and he can communicate it to other normal people just like us um, in a good like he's not—he's not a doctor, he's not a dietitian, he's not a nutritionist, um, but he can put it in layman terms and keep someone accountable. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's been a real interesting journey, and not many people understand it. So we'd go out for a picnic. This is just before Christmas, and you're sitting there with all your fellow friends, and most are professional athletes from up here, and they're saying to me, "Jamie, aren't you worried that you know Pete's only eating meat?" And, you know, Pete can't hear He's over there with his his brisket in his container and everyone else is eating like burgers and chips and ice cream and fish and chips and pizza and stuff. And um, I'm like, well, he's feeling the best he's ever felt. So I think it's... I think it's working and I didn't go into the nutrient density of meat <laughs> and um, it's actually a lot more nutrient dense than eating a salad. Um, I didn't go into that, but I just thought, well, they're literally licking an ice cream right now and they're saying, aren't you worried about Pete eating meat? So it's a it's a hard thing for your friends and family to understand. Um, he gets questioned all the time by it. Yeah. Um, and it's it's hard to explain to someone that can't understand how very sick someone's been and then just to appreciate that they're well and what's doing what they're doing is actually working for them
0: yeah, um, yeah. whereas
1: i would now being a little bit more educated and looking um from the outside in and you would i, I know you've experienced this at your previous work as well um, i would now say can you ask me how i'm feeling like if, if i was pete i'd say can you ask me how i'm feeling not why are you eating that? Just ask me how I'm feeling. Yeah, and that's yeah, all that, yeah. if they care about you and they love you and they want to be in your life, that's all they should care about is how you're feeling.
0: Yeah. It's a great point. And, and, uh, something that I just thought about was that, you know, this, this is someone, you know, you, you're both very athletic people, Pete's at the, you know, the pinnacle of, What's largely considered one of the hardest sports on the planet, you know, for those who don't know, an Ironman is a 180-kilometer cycle, 3.8-kilometer swim, is that right? Yeah. And a marathon, 42.2Ks in one day. And in Kona in, in Hawaii, the, the terrain goes from like all, in like the four seasons in one day, it's hot, it's cold, like all these crazy things. I don't know if it's cold. Did you ever get cold? Yeah. Um, No, it does
1: up on the mountain actually. Yeah, Yeah, it does. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So here's someone who's in the most extraordinary physical conditioning of their life, which I think a lot of physical exercise mitigates a lot of the lifestyle choices that people make. But here's someone who's basically Mm -hmm. one of the fittest guys on the planet. There's no denying that who's still Mm. suffering from this chronic fatigue type stuff and an inability to train and recover Mm. And I think that's a really powerful message because this guy is being guided by the best people ever with, with the experience and all the, you know, like the nutritional side of things, supplementation, the, the training regimes, all these other things. And he's mm. still battling with this. And you've, you've just mm. taken this with both hands and like a dog with a bone gone, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. And like so many people that are going through these health challenges have been able to come out the other side. And what's happening to Pete now?
1: Um, Pete's, it's like Pete is very much like you are experiencing this euphora, euphoric um, energy, I suppose. Not lately because he's had gastro for a few days. But um, <laughs> before that, he just says he feels, he he literally looks younger every day. Um, to me, he looks 10 years younger than um, than I remember. Um he's got muscles in places that weren't there before. Like his body, his body composition has definitely changed. Yeah. Um, and he's just, he's experiencing this focus and this clarity. And I suppose, um, because he doesn't have that brain fog, the fog that he suffered from for many years, he's able to research and read a lot and comprehend what he's reading and he lets it sink in so he can then share it to others. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And he's got this ability. He'll be sitting on the computer for hours and I'll have to remind him, you need to drink now um, or you need to eat now. And he never would have been able to do that before. He would have, um, you know, had to have an afternoon nap. Um, And he's also helped. His mum has had autoimmune issues in the past. Um, His mum has started seeing um, Dr. Paul Mason as well. Um, And she's she's found that she's come in leaps and bounds as well. So he's it, having that ripple effect on your loved ones um, is, yeah, I think that's super powerful. Um, there's nothing better, I don't think.
0: There's not, in my opinion, and, and you nailed no. it. You nailed it, Jamie Eleanor. And because for the record, like it's not something that you don't follow this protocol as well. You're more uh, whole real food kind of scenario. Yeah. Stuff that you, you work with. Is that right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So I work with, um, I suppose, me personally, um, I'm stoked. I can go out like this morning, go out, do a 21K run. Um, I'm not sore. I recover quick. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) I recover quickly. Um, I don't need any food or water uh, before or during. Um, I feel excellent. I'll be able to train again tonight and do a couple of hours on the wind trainer. And I've got no muscle soreness, no fatigue, nothing. but what I suppose what I'm really passionate about sharing is food freedom, so not letting food um, create anxiety. Um, being Well, eating real food gives you a certain amount of food freedom anyway, um, but also making people conscious that, yeah, eating um you know, a high sugar content snack, um, even in the form of fruit sometimes, it is going to spike your blood sugar levels. That is going to spike your inflammation. So if you've already got issues happening and yeah. you're already struggling with fatigue, being overweight, um, uh, you're a sugar burner, not a fat burner. So doing long aerobic exercise is really tough for you and you've got high heart rate all the time or anxiety and depression, um, yeah, well, maybe having, going more low-carb than what I am is going to be good for you. So everyone is really different. Um, I suppose I follow more a, like I'll make banana bread and um, yeah. I'm gluten-free, um, so I'll throw in some almond meal or almond flour and a couple of tablespoons of honey and that's it. Um, so I'm definitely on the more real food bandwagon, but I'm also about um, eating some carbohydrates as well and being balanced. Um, I'll have a glass of wine every now and then as well. Um, yeah. I've been enjoying five years with Pete's dad um, <laughs> in the afternoons, the cheese and um, and a glass of wine. So yeah, and dark chocolate and all of that. But yeah, it's definitely I suppose a higher. I follow a higher protein um, and high fat, more protocol, and it is definitely lower carb um, in a sense. It wouldn't be keto. Um at all. I've got some clients doing keto. Um, I've got some clients doing um low carb, yeah, um, yeah. which would be below like one hundred grams a day. Um which would so be everyone, everyone's really context, different. Is
0: is about two and a bit bananas. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Depends how big the banana at? is, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Talking about yeah. your
0: average size banana. <laughs>
1: some
0: bigger, some smaller.
1: Yeah. So everyone's really, really different. Um Yeah, but I can, it's, it's what I don't, I don't like people getting stressed about being on keto because then that's creating a whole bunch of other hormones in the body and a whole bunch of inflammation. So um, if keto is going to stress them out and they're a moderator in a sense, they can eat a little bit of something and then not have to eat the whole thing. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm a moderator. I know Pete's an abstainer. Um, if he has a bit of chocolate, he has he has the whole block. There's no stopping him. Um, so I think it depends a bit on your personality as well.
0: I'm a, a was an all consumer, and
1: okay. have even yep.
0: publicly admitted that at times during emotional eating, have destroyed up to two litres of connoisseur ice cream, <laughs> vanilla. Which is two one liter containers, and and, and yeah. even on one or two occasions added a liter of Paul's custard on top. Oh and, gosh! And I think might have created a new strain of diabetes as a result. Oh, but yeah. um, you, you're right, and and I've been able to get on top of this. I've been able to get on top of this because I am an abstainer. But the yeah. the one thing that I've noticed with being is is disciplined. And I'm not. I don't want to use the word strict because I mm. genuinely don't feel that I'm missing out on anything. Mm. At the moment, yeah, because I feel too good with, yeah. with the food that I am consuming, and I think you know that message of being able to sort of allay the fear of you know, this sounds like it's a really complicated mess, and it's mm. you know, you feel, oh, well, I love my bread, I love my pasta. What, what people will eventually come to understand if they experiment with the, with their own bodies is that the freedom that this allows when you start feeling way better than you've ever felt. And mm. because I really truly think, Jamie, that the it's such a gradual decline of from when you're young and you're full of vitality and beans
1: mm.
0: and then you hit your early teens and your teens and you discover, you know, drinking and partying and then, you you know, you all of a sudden you get to your, Mid thirties or whatever it might be, and it's crept up on you so damn quickly that all of a sudden that hangover that you used to be able to handle, speaking from my own experience here, turns into a nightmare. Or if you mm. have a bunch of pasta, you got to go sleep it off, and you wake mm. up and you're groggy. And I think it's so empowering having that vitality and an energy, which I've referenced in other uh, podcasts, that it's a, it's our God given right to feel and thrive, in my opinion, mm. because it mm. affords you so much inspiration and so much motivation. Like you look healthy. You you are a, a beautiful individual inside and out, in my opinion. But you look really healthy. And, you know, you've been active for quite some time. And, you know, the surf life savings, uh, certainly not being the only sport, uh, I believe you're even an ambassador for the World Ironman Championships as well. You were a couple of years ago.
1: Oh, for the uh, the first inaugural seventy point three um, triathlon in yeah. India. Yeah. 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 In Goa of all places. In Goa, yes. Yeah. I've been to yep. Goa. So- it's a cool spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. It, it was due to be on again this year, but I don't. I don't know if that's going to happen. We'll see.
0: You'll just have to we'll go see. next year. We'll see. Fingers
1: crossed. Yep. Yep. Definitely. <laughs> So, yeah, I still do the, those events um, as an age grouper, the 70.3 Ironmans. Um,
0: which which is, uh, when you say age grouper, you're sounding like you're doing Masters or something. It's still a really extraordinary <laughs> effort. And I, and I believe you've done very well in some of because um, you've done a few of these now, haven't you?
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't even know how many I've done now. Um, but, yeah, for me, it's always been about what can I learn about myself in the race? Um, how do I feel when I get to the start line, depending on the training that I've done beforehand? Um, but I just love the training leading into the race as well, and the whole it is it is like um, being doing a seventy point three event is seriously like a counselling session for yourself because you find out so much about yourself when you're out there. Yeah, and it's literally like you're getting hugs and kisses from everyone on the race course. So it's just the best feeling. Um, it's like taking a massive drug and you're on a massive high, um, for the, you know, four or five hours or whatever it is. It's yeah. just, it's epic. It's just a great, great feeling. And I hope everyone gets a chance to do it. Um, you do need a really good family support network to be able to do, to train for something like a 70.3. Um, And there's a lot of other people in the background, you know, volunteers, the race organisers and stuff that makes it happen. Um, But, yeah, just being grateful for that experience and then learning something about yourself when you do it. Um, Like what mantra can you bring into the race if you have race anxiety? I've always had a lot of race anxiety myself, um, but that's coming from a place of maybe not having confidence in myself. Um, So, yeah, it's... you. For me, that's been a real um, self, what's the word? Uh, um Something I've had to work. Yeah. Something I've had to Stop work stopping. on myself. Self-discovery. It's been a yeah. self-discovery with each race um, because That'd I'm be- always comparing myself to the pros, you know, like I travel with Pete over there. It's their job. Um, it's a different mindset. And I suppose I've always put down my performances and the reasons why I'm doing it because maybe the self-worth isn't there. So it's something that I'm really passionate about passing on to other people um, and uh, is sharing that, you know, it doesn't matter. Everyone's the same, just like you say. Um, everyone is exactly the same, even though they're doing it for their career and whatever else. It doesn't mean what they're doing is much more important than what me as an age group is doing. Um, And you've got to have self-worth and self-respect and self-love to be able to even put yourself into a position for training for something like an Ironman or a half Ironman. Um, And that's that's something that I'm really passionate about instilling in people is that self-worth and that self-love because you don't even realise you don't have it. Um, But you can't get healthy and you can't get fit. And look after yourself um, if you don't have self-worth and self-love. So that's a big piece of the puzzle.
0: Amen, sister. (laughs) Amen. I could have said it better myself. Not even religious.
1: Well, shorter. You could have said it shorter. (laughs) No, no, no. It's
0: It's perfectly succinct. (laughs) Because let's imagine someone is watching this now or they're listening to it and they are raw. They are never run more than a kilometre you know, the bit overweight, fairly sedentary type of lifestyle, the thought of the concept of running 21Ks and a half Ironman and swimming 2Ks uh, and doing a 90K bike mm. ride is so far removed from their minds. What do you tell them to inspire them to want to do something like this? What, what's the reason? Why is it so important to do something like this?
1: Well, I probably would it probably wouldn't be the half ironman at first it probably would be the 5k at first or the 10k event um but I would say it it's about um well about them it's about instilling a certain amount of self love um and just purpose for them and what what's their why so often they don't know what their why is but when they sign up for something like a half Man or a 10k event they soon um, get in touch with their vision and they get really passionate about their vision and they get really in touch with what their why is. Um, so it's it's almost like the result, them crossing that finish line really means nothing. It yeah. really becomes about the journey and they're, they're a different person when they get to the finish line. So that finish line um really is it doesn't mean much in a sense it does but in a sense it's all about the person they'll become throughout that journey and what ripple effect can they have on their family and friends um so there's a beautiful client that i'm working with at the moment and she's in america and she's a grandma. She has a full-time stressful job. Um, she has beautiful kids. And it was actually her son that put her in contact with me, who's an Ironman athlete who I was, um, who did our 12-week program. And she'd never run five kilometres in her life. Um, she never ran in her life. She didn't own running shoes. So she went and bought some running shoes. We set a goal. She had already had a goal of five kilometres and she wanted to surprise the family. Um, she ended up losing a ton of weight or waist circumference around her waist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she's gone low carb. Um, her husband has changed as well. Um, her daughter who has kids and she's in her 20s, um, she ended up getting a pair of running shoes and she's now training with her. And everyone at work is saying to her, like, what's happened? You're a different person. Um and, yeah, at first it was all about not wearing Spanx to her friend's wedding and now she's running 5K every weekend. Like she's just, um, and, yeah, she looks younger. Every time I see her, she looks younger and it's all her. She's, she just needed someone to say, um, to ask her the questions, do you love yourself? Do you do any self-love practice? Maybe not. Um, I know with her she never realised that she'd never actually said, I love you to herself. And I don't know about you. I know you're really conscious, um, and and on being on a really good self discovery. So you probably have. Um, I, say but I, know it, I say, I, yeah, I yeah. say, yeah,
0: yeah. Laban, <laughs> I love you, bro. I, I lo- love you. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. But so many people haven't. Um, it and feels weird. It feels yeah. weird. It feels
0: awkward. Uh, but yeah. it, like anything, once you do it enough, it just starts. Yeah, Laban, I love you, man.
1: Yeah. It's yes. that Simple. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, But that was a massive game changer for her because she realized she had these self-trolling thoughts all all the time saying you're ridiculous, you're not an expert, all this stuff that you bring into your working life as well um, that just isn't true. And once you get on top of that stuff, I mean, the world's your oyster. You can do anything. Um, So, yeah, that's... And and then you want to eat well because you want to feel well and you feel like you deserve to eat well um, because you've got a higher sense of self-worth. So...
0: Yeah. Oh wow! What a great story! It's, it's such a proud <laughs> moment. Hey, like, because how long have you been coaching for?
1: It hasn't been long. Um, it's probably been oh six months.
0: Wow! Is that a it?
1: Bit, yeah, a bit over six months. Yeah.
0: What yeah. are the, so? What are some of the other the other service offerings that live your fit? <laughs> live your fit. Um, yeah, live your fit. Live
1: your live your Not own.
0: Live your fit.
1: Yeah. But- <laughs> you could read it as live actually fuck yeah live.
0: <laughs> streaming live on facebook
1: yeah um uh, we do a 12 we offer a 12 week program so um that's basically like a health wellbeing performance program um it really helps people um look at okay what how they um eating um, what's their hydration, their electrolytes look like? Um, what's their sleep habits look like? Um, mindfulness practices and their fitness. Um, everyone's slightly different, but the program goes from really dialing in on their food and we we have, um, we call it life protocols, so life food protocols that they can yeah. follow, um, making it really easy and everything's very easy and everything's very simple um, and very clear so yeah that's over 12 weeks and at the end of it um we hope they feel empowered and inspired and um enough to take their health and their performance into their own hands um but we also do do one-on-one performance coaching as well um so that's where we actually will write someone um you know, a fitness program for whatever goals. Most of the time it is triathlon or it's something like a five-kilometre run. Um, And we use Training Peaks as our platform um, to put their program onto. And then um, we also work with another platform for all our coaching clients as well um, to keep them accountable. But we like to share, like, you know, technique for run, bike, swim, um, mindset going into races, um, you know, Matt, working on very much, um, the mindset and I suppose you call it the self worth. Yeah. Um, and we're a lot of, a big one and, and what makes them tick. So like, for instance, with Pete, when he won Kona, it was all about love. So he asked us to all put, um, love on signs and play love songs from his playlist in the race. So he literally would run past us on Alehi drive and we would have big love posters and, um, so about him, for him, it was about loving his competition and not being scared of his competition because he loved them. And when you love someone, you can't be scared of them. It's impossible. Um, and being grateful for the experience and looking back now, we're like, hang on, that just came naturally. That was an instinct that was felt at the time. And that he connected with, he felt confident in himself to connect with. Um, and now we go, that was super special. And that's something that, we want to try to instill in others what makes them tick, um, and and do what they do. Because it's always something, um, and we're emotional human beings. So not being scared to be emotional, um, at the same yeah, at the same time.
0: So oh wow, that, yes, that, that's such a powerful message for anyone just listening to this. The you know that this there was a guy um, who's a uh, who wouldn't be well known in a, certainly Australia, but he's a very successful keynote speaker by the name of Steve Sebold, And he uh, wrote, he was, a prof, he was a professional tennis player in, his, uh, in, the, in the Andre Agassi era. And he okay. never made it within the top 500 nationally or globally rather. And his coaches said to him that he wasn't mentally strong enough. And off the back of that bombshell sort of information, he dedicated the next 30 years of his life to interviewing and studying the the world's elite and what he calls the world class.
1: Pete mm. certainly
0: fits into that. You certainly fit into that, you know, like with the way you go about things. And mm. and he, he started to figure out that people that come from a place of like the, that are the upper class tend to come from a place of fear and scarcity. He said, but true world-class individuals come from a real place of love and abundance and understand the importance of being able to, share in order to receive Mm. and I think you've absolutely nailed that whole concept and then as a result the Steve Sebole guy created a very successful business by adopting and became very wealthy as a result by following all of these people and most of them were self-made millionaires or athletes and like there was only a couple of people that had inherited like major inherited wealth Um, and those Mm. people seemed to be absolutely miserable so it's just interesting mm. hearing what mm. you're saying there, and 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 the and the concept as well. It's extraordinary.
1: Mm. You, you don't realize it's 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 exciting to look back on um after the, you know after it's all um been and just go yeah okay that was a yeah that's why um why certain things unfolded is um but you, yeah you just don't realize it when you're in there in the moment of it um. Yeah, it's always a work in progress as well.
0: <laughs> it's but, yeah, yeah, constant growth. <laughs> and like this all hasn't been roses either. Like, what are some of the major challenges that you've experienced throughout the whole course of this journey?
1: Um, oh, I think it's been stressful at times because, um, like, Pete took off 2018 away from the sport, um, and. I suppose it's like any partnership when you're in a partnership you sort of you can often put the other person first and forget about your needs and your purpose um so I think that's that's been a little bit um hard and I haven't always understood Pete's fatigue 100% because I haven't had that fatigue um I would have things pop up like plantar fasciitis that would niggle me and I'd have to at one point I took a whole year off running because I couldn't get on top of it. And I was still eating the grains and the sugars and stuff back then. Um, now I, that doesn't, they, I don't have those flare ups. It just doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, not having that real deep fatigue that he would feel and then seeing the frustration he'd feel it, he would, um, feel towards me because I didn't have that understanding and sometimes I would get frustrated. Um, so yeah, those times have been really difficult and I can all and honestly say I can't imagine the, the hard times that we went through together in partnership. I can't imagine ever having harder times going forward. I feel like we've already had them, um, and we're really stronger for it. Um, and I'm really grateful that we're at a point where we are now we're really uh, learning new things about each other all the time and we're we're really grateful um for each other and we wouldn't change it. But yeah, it definitely hasn't been all um all rosy. <laughs> it's uh yeah, I mean any professional athlete and anyone in uh um anyone doing it, life isn't easy, is it? Um and you do certain things, but I I heard uh Peter Bruckner um in your interview talking about how lots of people think being a professional athlete is all rosy and, they, and they'd and they love to be one because exercising all day and getting paid for it is, you know, it's a really good thing. Um, but, you know, you live and you breathe your career every second of the day. It's always there. And everything that you do for yourself, you're thinking, is this the one percenter that could make me a world champion tomorrow or Olympian or whatever it is or get picked for the team? Yeah. Um, so and' so often you're away from your loved ones for you know months at a time um, and yes, yeah, so you have to become very resilient and you have to have a real um, a strong inner guidance system um, and a real strong confidence and self worth um, as a professional athlete and I do i used to I used to ask myself what's the difference between um, maybe an athlete like myself like a weekend warrior who um, who
0: Who competed at a national level.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) who would like to, um, you know, what's the difference between myself that's a weekend warrior as a triathlete compared to the professional athletes that I'm training with because there's so many of my friends up here are. Um, And I do think it's a difference in ego, um, very much so, Um, and a difference in that they're so used to being by themselves and being quiet but they don't even realise it. Um, that they've instilled this quiet self-worth and quiet self-confidence um, that they're able to follow their purpose and be resilient. So whatever comes their way, and there's a lot of athletes in Noosa that I'm close with that have had to go through lots of things to get where they are they are today, Yeah. Um, not just Pete. And they've all got these amazing stories and these amazing journeys. And I feel like so many people that maybe um, weren't gifted enough with the means to be um to build those foundations and be a professional athlete um and really tap into their ego and get to know themselves better um they wouldn't be at the point where they are today so they've had the opportunity to get to know themselves really really well to be able to instill that self-worth and that confidence and that quiet conviction um that their purpose is very clear and um their resilience is is very very high so um, I do think that's the big difference, is they just know themselves better, um, and maybe they love it. they have this deep, deep sense of self-worth and self-love, and that is what enables them to do what they do as a professional athlete. Um, because to line up on a, a starting line, I think, as a professional athlete is stressful, but they've somehow got these coping mechanisms, and it all comes down to a quiet confidence. Yeah. I feel. yeah.
0: It's, it's uh, after the, the interview with Peter uh, and I watched this beforehand, but I yeah. rewatched Kathy Freeman's victory yes. lap who, who run and it had a whole new meaning for me because I hadn't had the appreciation of having um, uh, Peter being so close to the action. And, and, and it really struck me. And I got like tingles mm. all down my spine, my hairs all stood on end and, And I was like, "This, this. She is just. She's she's just a human being, and she has conditioned herself to withstand this extraordinary uh, pressure cooker moment. And she's absolutely bossed it. And uh, maybe, maybe we might be to convince her to come on the show at some point and and ask her about it exactly. So, big shout out to Kathy Freeman. If you'd (laughs) like to uh, come on the show, uh, talk to my agent Peter Brookner, and uh, we can. (laughs) um, I was going to Google
1: her after hearing that. I wanted to Google then to see what she's up to. Um yeah. I'm not Got me interested interested she's, in what's she doing.
0: I think she might have been involved with a charity. Okay. Own, the Kathy Freeman um society or something along. I don't I don't actually know. A little bit remiss yep. of me, but we will find out and maybe we'll get her on the show as well. Yes. Um and one of the things that just to, to to deviate slightly from the athletic performance side of things, something that struck me in our phone conversation the other day, which mm. was absolutely lovely, was The story in which you met your lovely husband Pete, and the process in which you put in place to be able to facilitate that, and I just wondered if you might be comfortable sharing that story with us.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it was um, at the time I was I was working, I was in a really good place. Um, I was surfboat rowing, and we're in the middle of the season, and um, I'd had previous boyfriends I was only in my early 20s and um there were they hadn't been like you know then I suppose they're not, they're not they weren't keepers is if that's what you could say um and so I decided to write down everything that I wanted in a life partner um and And it was strange, like in everything I wanted to be able to do. So I wanted to be able to go out for an easy 10K run and um, I wanted everything just to be easy. I wanted to be able to go to the gym together and it was there wasn't going to be any angst or um, wanted to experience. Yeah, there was all these different things I put down. um, And it turned out when I met Pete, it was almost like I'd manifested him um, from just writing down on a piece of paper what I wanted. Um, But I think because I was in such a good place with my self-worth and my confidence at the time, um, I was able to actually write that list. So, and I don't even know what made me do that. Um, I'm not sure. And I also wrote down, you know, how I wanted to be treated and by this person. And um, yeah, it was very, very strange that I then, had already knew Pete through surf club and surf and swimming and stuff. Um, but, yeah, it was just strange how our paths then um, crossed. And, yeah, from day one it was just like, whoa, this is, uh, yeah, this is easy and it's exciting and it's right. Yeah, you just sort of know. You have that gut instinct um, that, yeah, you know. Um, and he was a, 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 um, landscape, a landscaper at the time. Um, and he was trying to train as a professional athlete. Um, so he was busy. I was busy as everyone is. Um, we're in our twenties. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah.
0: That is so great. And you guys, like with the limited time I've spent uh, getting to know you, you're a, an extraordinary couple and it's a, a really great story. And, what what is it about writing this stuff down? Because I I'm going to go on a limb and say mm. that you are quite a good goal setter, and and if you're not, then I take it all back. But I would assume, <laughs> given your your level of success in life to this point at least, that you are pretty disciplined with putting things in place that you want to achieve. Mm. Can you talk us through why why you think that's important?
1: Um, I think it's important from. Well, I'll bang on again about self-worth. I think um, if you feel like you can't write down what your um, like dreams are, what your big, hairy, what you call, can refer to as big, hairy goal, um, yeah. so that big goal that people might laugh at you for, that um, if you can't write that big goal down, read it out loud and really feel into it that it could be true for you one day, then you have to look at, okay, what's happening with me? What's my level of self-worth? Or my self-love maybe i need to work on myself um but then also just you know write down what is your ideal vision for yourself um i don't think many of us actually ask ourselves that i mean at school were you ever asked what's your vision like what's your ideal vision if you really did tapped into it or did a guided meditation with someone that took you through your ideal vision has anyone ever done that for for you or um that's a really special, unique opportunity to be given. So if every school child, instead of going to your career advisor or being hassled to pick your, um, I think they're called electives, you know, for for year 11 and 12 study. Because this is going to place you on a track for the rest of your life and this is going to be your career. Um, So you better make the right choice, but you don't actually know what it is that you want. (laughs) But good luck making that choice. Um, If they were... Somehow, given that opportunity to really tap into their um, inner guidance system and work out what the ideal vision is, and then be helped with a roadmap to get there, I mean, wouldn't we have happier children that would want to eat good food and want to feel good because they feel good about themselves? Um, yeah, I think that's that's a big goal, and also just seeing, I suppose, working with the more clients that you work with, and you can appreciate this is that um, you see the aha moments for them when they don't know what's been stopping them. But a lot of the time, the only thing that's been stopping them is themselves because they don't actually believe in themselves. And that's one thing my dad, um, you know, launching your own business is scary and walking away from a career in Sydney was really scary Um, because you're walking away from independence and um, you know, financial independence and purpose. Um, And I just remember dad, and he still says it today when I speak to him on the phone, he just says, you've always got to have belief. Like belief is number one. If you lose that belief in what you're doing and the belief that you can do it, then you're not going to be able to do it. But that's the only thing that stops the people from not moving forward and giving up too late is just belief. Um, and everyone struggles with it, but it's almost like you need to put the mentors in place and the tools in place to have that belief. And I feel like writing down on a piece of paper is going, it helps my belief. Um, and I, I do remember back to when I worked um, in Sydney and I was only really young at the time my early twenties, but I instinctively knew to, and I don't, and I used to get laughed at by the bosses. The big bosses would walk past my office and they'd laugh at me because I would be there. Yeah. I would be there with a four pieces of paper that I'd printed out And it would be like quotes that I had written. So it was, um, one was persistence beats resistance. Like I would have 10 quotes around the room and that was my office. And every day I'd be looking at those quotes. And then looking back now, I think, why did I do that? It was just me reconfirming back to myself and my subconscious um, what my beliefs were to help me move forward and achieve what what I was doing. Um, And I always wanted to be the best at at, um, at that job. I was very competitive and I just knew that was going to help me do that. So um, wow. anything that helps you, I feel like, you know, put a Post-it note in your or a business card in your wallet and you, it might just be I love you. So every time you look at it, you go, I love you. And that might be the difference between you connecting and having a relationship and reaching out to someone like um, Peter Bruckner or Kathy Freeman to you not doing it. And yeah, then that yeah, yeah. you know, and then you've missed out on all those little ripple effects and those opportunities. Um, yeah, that's. <laughs> did I answer the question beautifully? I don't know. <laughs> and, and
0: just for the people listening, like, just to confirm, like, Jamie, you're not a robot or a cyborg. You are <laughs> literally just a human being. You've not been programmed with any of this, this amazing data? Is that correct?
1: <laughs> yes.
0: So it's it's pretty evident. I think that it's. Easily, easily is probably the wrong word. These types of habits take time and discipline. But I can't, I can't say Mm. to anyone, do this. You've got to get to that point. Mm. But if you could, if I could give you an injection of how I feel, and you Mm. could give people an injection, Pete could do the same, and Mm. Kathy Freeman, yeah, yeah, it would be like this: the shortcut to being. God, my God, it's like. And I, and I liken how I feel recently to Bradley Cooper in Limitless, one of my favourite movies if you haven't seen it.
1: And I love Bradley Cooper.
0: <laughs> well, who doesn't? He's a handsome devil. But it's, uh, it's, it's that feeling. It's that feeling when he nails the writing of his book just in a few days and he's achieving mm. all the stuff. Like my levels of productivity have gone up like through the roof and I'll continue to mm. talk about them. But mm. I think, um, Jamie, I think – this has been a really extraordinary conversation and I'm so grateful that you're able to share so much of this information with us. And I think it's going to be super important to have you back on at another point in the not too distant future so that we can reflect on some of the stuff that we have touched on today. And uh, there's a whole other area of your life that we haven't even looked at and that I would love to, to explore with you further, but Unless there was anything else burning that you had to get off your chest?
1: Um, No, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of stuff off my chest. I just want to say a big thank you for having me on because I feel like every time... You have an opportunity to share your story and your thoughts and your processes. Um, you know, that is so valuable and for you to give me that gift and also just for reaching out um, and I'm learning so much through you as well is um, just really, really, um, it's like a big soulful hug. So thank you very, very much um, for having me and for all your love and energy. It's awesome.
0: Well, look, you are very welcome and it is totally reciprocated Um, I, I, I feel the same with regards to, you know, like they say that you're never too old to learn and you're never too young to teach. And that is just, I'm learning every day and, you know, trying to just those little incremental improvements rather than trying to make giant massive goals. And, and, you know, thank you for taking an opportunity, taking a chance to come on, um, this conversation and I'll finish on a quote. Yes. By awesome by Zig Ziglar, who's a world-famous sales trainer, which some of you would have heard of. And he was also a uh, a really good runner. Uh, He used to, even as an older man, he's dead now, but as an older man, he was um, able to run at a college-level pace, I think, in his 50s and 60s, which is very impressive. But he said, you can get whatever you want in this life as long as you help enough other people get what they want. Mm. have a great day, everybody. It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five day video training Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O es.com